Okay, Bismillah ar-Rahman ar-Rahim. Nahmaduhu wa nusalli ala rasulihil kareem. Amma ba'ad. We express our praise and gratitude to Allah Ta'ala. And we seek blessings upon the Prophet. May peace be upon him. Okay, so we've now gone through a couple of commands as well as a conditional command. And so, so just to recap, um, where to go? Yeah, there it is. Just to recap what we, where we are at now. So ayah 21 is the first command. Ayah 22 is the second command. Ayah 23 is a conditional command. And then 24 is another conditional command. Okay, and then what is the first command? Be the abd of your rabb. And then don't knowingly make rivals to Allah. And then the third was prescription for doubt. And the fourth is the completion of the prescription for doubt. Okay, so now we are in, we are on ayah number 25. Let me just spell doubt correctly here. Doubt. Okay. All righty. So let's take a look at ayah 25. So surah 2, and then just scrolling right over here. Give good news to those who believe and do right, that they will have gardens, and again, paradise, beneath which rivers flow. Whenever they are provided with the provision of fruit therefrom, they will say, this is what we were provided with before, and it is given to them in likeness. And they will have purified spouses, and they will abide therein forever. Okay. So, first point, first simple point regarding the rhetoric, the rhetoric of the Quran, is anytime you have some reference to paradise, uh, gardens beneath which rivers flow, so forth and so on, 
almost always right before it or right after it, you're going to have a mention of hell, which we have right up here. Right, so we finished off command number 20, uh, this point in I-24, have taqwa. When you realize you cannot fulfill the prescription to find something that can compare with the Quran, then work to start developing taqwa. To shield yourself against the fire whose fuel is men and stones. And then right after that, paradise. Happens over and over again in the Quran. There's a few exceptions where you'll have hell mentioned without heaven and heaven mentioned without hell. But otherwise, in almost every single case, uh, you will have both of them next to each other. Okay, small, small point. Now, let's look at the first, uh, uh, this part right here. Those who believe and do right. So, الَّذِينَ amanu wa amilu salihat. So, so the the better translation and sorry still going through technical difficulties here the better translation is those who believe and do right in contrast to those who believe and do good and so that's the question what is the difference between Belief plus doing right versus belief plus doing good. How would you answer that question? So the first one would be Iman plus Amal Saleh. And then the second one would be Iman plus Amal Khair. So the Quran over and over again talks about uh, both, but what would be the difference between doing right versus doing good? Anyone? Um, The only difference I know is that right is regarded to right action, whereas good is regarded to good value. Okay, that's one way to put it. What else? I was going to say the same thing. This is something. Right would be... Uh, your actions, and I guess good would be your moral or your intention. Okay. Okay. And your thoughts, reflections, what's the difference between the two? Omar, could you please just say what was the uh, term in Arabic for good, doing good? Absolutely. So, so this is Amal Saleh versus Amal Khair. Let me just lower this versus a little bit so it's less confusing. Okay. Any other thoughts? Yeah, I also have another theory. Okay, go for it. Um, so doing right, you could be doing something that you're, it's right, but you don't feel, it doesn't make you feel good or you don't think it's good for you, mm-hmm. but it's the right thing to do. Okay. All right, nice. Doing good, it could be good for you, but it's probably not the right thing for you. All right, okay. So we're at least illustrating these distinctions between right and good. So let me let me give you uh, an example to help make sense of the difference between the two, as far as we're concerned here. So let's say you're at work, and your boss tells you, okay, I'm going to give you this project, 
I want you to work on the project and I'm going to collect it from you at some point in the future. And you say yes. And so, so a few weeks go by and then the boss comes back to you and asks, okay, did you do the project? Give me the project. Are you done? And then you say, no, I didn't do the project. But because of the pandemic that's been going around, I scrubbed all the bathrooms in the entire building. And I provided masks for everyone. And I even set up pathways for social distancing. So what's the future of me at the job? What do you all think? Okay, Melika's shaking her head like, yeah, it's not a good future. So, so the point is that I did something good, but I did not do what was right. And so, so good uh, and right will often overlap, but not always. And so what is right? Right is synonymous with what is prescribed. By Allah. Now, if Allah is saying to do it, then by definition, it is good. But culturally, you know, we might, uh, we may or may not agree. Just like with, you know, a baby uh, or a young child, the child is sick and the parents are making the child uh, taking some medicine and the child is kicking and screaming, no, 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 no. Uh, from the child's perspective, that's bad. But the child even knows that that's the right thing. Sometimes the child knows, I should say. Sometimes even grown adults don't know. But the point is that what is right is what is prescribed. This word is impossible to read is prescribed. And so, so that's the essential difference here. So the ayah is saying, look for people who believe and do right. And so, so, and then tell them the following. So here's so I, uh, So this is part one. Find these people. Part two is tell them good news of paradise. And so let's look at the things that are mentioned in the ayah itself. There's four things that are mentioned. One is gardens beneath which rivers flow. The second aspect of paradise is these recognized fruits. And then we'll talk about each of these in detail in just a moment. Another is pure partners. And a fourth one is eternity. Now, if you think about it, each of these four things 
are uh, that are are things that we dedicate a lot of our efforts to in this worldly life. So to simplify this, one is ownership and luxury. So let's think about gardens beneath which rivers flow. <clears throat> uh, can you think of any famous gardens of, of the world? Can you identify any famous gardens uh, of the world? Hanging gardens. Anyone? The of, hanging, hanging gardens of Babylon. The hanging, the, of Babylon. Yeah. 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 And, and so, so we have those. We have the gardens of the Versailles Palace in France, and and such. Now, what goes hand in hand with a lot of the world's great gardens? They're gardens ornamenting palaces. So when we're being told that you will have gardens beneath which rivers flow, uh, one, uh, one point you can infer from this is that you will have palaces that are being ornamented by these gardens and beneath which rivers flow, these are self-irrigating gardens. You don't have to take care of them. All in paradise is going to be taken care of. So you will own this and you will have this luxurious life. Now the fruits have two common meanings here. One is that the fruits in paradise, you're gonna recognize from the earth equivalent. So think of whatever your fruits are, strawberries, bananas, mangoes, etc. You will have that in paradise and you'll recognize, oh, this is like, this is a banana. And, but it's going to be the paradise version of a banana. Okay. So that's one aspect. The other aspect, the word that we're translating as fruit here is thabar. And, and so this is also a metaphor in Arabic, just like in English, where you will see the fruits of your labor. So you're going to recognize the fruits of your labor. Now, the pure partners, this is an interesting point. If we go to Surah 55, Surah 56, Surah Al-Rahman, Surah Al-Waqi'ah, it makes reference to these, these hoodies, these wide-eyed, virginal women. Yeah. And this raises the question, who's the initial target audience of the Quran? So let's put this screen on hold. Let's go talk about that issue. Because one of the ongoing questions is always, all right, is, is this all patriarchal or what? <clears throat> so, so this is of the whole Quran itself. Who is the first target audience of the Quran? Muhammad. Yeah. The first target audience of the Quran is the Prophet himself. <clears throat> or Gabriel, I guess. Yeah, I mean, Gabriel, he's more delivering it. <laughs> okay. And so, so the Prophet, peace be upon him, the Quran is first and foremost speaking directly to him. 
And then second, it is speaking to the Arabs of the Arabian Peninsula. Or what we today call the Arabian Peninsula. In the 600s of our calendar. Different than the Arabs of 2020. And then, by extension, everyone else. Everyone else in the world at that time, everyone else since that time. And so, so does it seem to privilege certain populations? Yeah, absolutely. What's the first population it seems to privilege? If I'm opening up the Quran in 2020, who is the population that seems to get privileged above everyone else? Easy but tricky question. Um, the, the, Arabs? the Arabs. Oh. Yeah, because it's in Arabic. And so... So let's move this. And so the next point would be so it's privileging the Arabs. I uh, asked Rain, you raise your hand. Yes. Um, so in regards to this privilege, yeah. Does that means since the Arab are privileged, does their punishment is more severe for receiving that? Done, done, done. Wouldn't that be fair? You know, let's take it a step further. Which among the Arabs seem to be privileged then? So one, the fact that it's an Arabic text seems to indicate it's privileging Arabs. Then within the Arabs, who is it privileging? Men. <laughs> yeah, I was going to see how long. Uh, it took before we got to that. So Arab men, like always. <laughs> like always. Okay, fine. All right. And then, which among the Arab men are being privileged? The Meccan. So I'm going to say free Arab men. And and so what am I saying here? Uh, I'm using the word privilege on purpose. I'm saying the people for whom the Quran is most in their language. So, and then we'd say free Arab men in the 600s. Again, of our calendar. So they're coming from uh, a tribal structure and a number of other elements in terms of their ethos. They're merchants as opposed to farmers. And we can make the list longer and longer and longer by getting to the particulars of the language of the Quran. So, so the point we're making here is that you know, for all the Arab women that claim to me, that complain to me that the that the Quran prefers men, I would say, well, it prefers Arab women over non-Arab men. Because it's in your language. 
of course, more often than not, I know more Arabic than most of the Arab women who are making this complaint. Anyway, so so this is this is a point of of the difference between the target audience and for whom the message is easiest to understand, for whom the message is easiest to receive. And that I'm using the language of privilege. Now, relate to Dominion's question. I think it was Dominion's question. Uh, that should does that mean they get punished more? Was that Dominion's question or someone else's? No, it wasn't my question, but I would okay. take the credit. I okay. could keep it. Okay, fair enough. Okay, so and it's Sabrine. <laughs> Sabrine's question. Sorry, I privileged a man in that case. Okay, yeah, so, that's right. I'm sorry. So, so, so the point being, uh, does that mean that Arabs or Arab women and men, etc., cetera, etc., cetera, will be punished more? Not necessarily, but those who are struggling more are going to get rewarded more. And so, for example, if, if someone is reciting uh, the Quran and it's in their native tongue, their native dialect, they're getting rewarded for every single letter that they recite. And so the Prophet, peace be upon him, is saying, if you recite, and I'm paraphrasing, if you recite Alif, Lam, Mim, you're getting rewarded for the Alif, for the Lam, and the Mim. If, however, because this is not your native tongue or for other reasons this is difficult for you, you get double reward. And so, so the point is that even though uh, in terms of access to the text, we have this line of privilege, the reward works in the reverse. So the person who has the most privilege to the text is going to be the prophet himself, peace be upon him. He's going to be rewarded for every single moment he does. And it's someone else is going to get double rewards because of this struggle or that struggle. And that's only in reference to the access, like linguistic access or in terms I would, of... I would apply to every aspect of life. Okay. Yeah. Here we're just speaking in terms of the content of the Quran itself and the language of the Quran. So, so that's one point to think about. When we see depictions of paradise, they're primarily spe uh, speaking to people who are in the desert, right? If I'm in Bangladesh, which right now is in monsoon season, I'm not gonna have, I'm not gonna find any appeal in gardens beneath which rivers flow. Because yeah. in Bangladesh right now, you can actually see photos of Eid. If you do a Google search of Eid in Bangladesh, it's, you know, from, from my perspective, living in the comfort of the Chicago suburb, it's, I'm literally seeing all these men that are trying to social distance, yet they're praying in water that goes up to their knees. They're prostrating in water that, that, uh, that goes above their heads. And we can make the argument whether they needed to do that or not. But the fact is that that's their situation right now. And so, so the depictions of paradise at one level are speaking to men and speaking to people who are in the desert. And so... In these passages in Surah 55, 56, it seems to be speaking to heterosexual Arab men, okay, these wide-eyed, virginal women. Okay. This first reference, however, is gender inclusive. This one, this is the first reference of the whole Quran right here that we're looking at. This is gender inclusive. Azwajul Mutahara, this is for men and women. Okay. Now, continuing further, so here we're talking about partnership, companionship.
And for those of you who are younger, this will make more, much more sense as you're getting older. When you really start considering your mortality and the legacy that you're leaving, you become much more conscious of, all right, you know, what's the footprint that I'm leaving after I'm gone? Okay. And so what I'm suggesting here, all these four things that are being promised in this world, these are things that we dedicate uh, dedicate our careers to, dedicate so much of our life to, you know, working so that I can have a house and a car and preferably with some amount of comfort, working in some careers so that I can see the fruits of my labor. And sometimes the main fruit of my labor might just be the salary, but more than that, you know, a teacher farmer, what have you, is looking at the fruits, uh, and an artist is looking at the fruits of their, their efforts, and then working to have companionship. And then at a later point in life, especially working for a sense of legacy. Okay. And so what is this Aya saying, this Aya is offering, so this is this world, this is in the next world. But ultimately, in the next world, what is the best fulfillment is all of these things with Allah. So eternity with Allah, companionship with Allah, seeing the fruits of your efforts as manifested in this relationship you have with Allah. And this relationship that you have with Allah that only you have. Because the point we've made a multi uh, multiple times already is that the highest source of pleasure, the most pleasurable thing a person can have in all of existence is contact with Allah. Okay. There is nothing more pleasurable in all of creation and all of existence than contact with Allah. Good. So the ayah is saying, um, look for the people who, do, who believe and do right, and then tell them of the good news of paradise. So what do we have here? We have command number three. So give good news of paradise to those who believe and do right. Now, when we look at this as a command, Think about what it's telling, what's implicitly and explicitly telling you to do. So explicit, give good news to those who believe and do right. Implicit, I mean, what is implied here is that it's telling me to look at the good of what people do. Look at the upright of what people do.
So it's very easy to fall into the trap of looking at the flaws of what people do, you know, and then zeroing in on those things. So in the same way, the first command is telling me to make my focus, to take control of my focus and have this attitude, this disposition that I'm going to do whatever Allah Ta'ala wants me to do, and I'm going to see it as nourishing. And then the second command we didn't talk about as much, but again, it's speaking about my relationship with Allah. And if there's any aspect of my life where I'm making something compete with Allah, I pick Allah. Okay. And now this third command is saying what? Okay, when I'm interacting with people, look for what is good and what is upright and what they're doing. What will be the effect on me if I make that my focus? What do you think? Anyone. A more positive person. Absolutely. I think it'll make me a much more positive person. I'm looking for the good. I'm looking for that which is upright, which means I'm going to see that more, which means I'm going to find that more appealing as well. So when you're in madrasa, one of the very first hadith that you're taught is if you do not give rahmah, you will not be given rahmah. Give rahmah to those who are in the world, and the one who is in heaven will give rahmah to you. So again, in a nutshell, if you do not give rahmah, you are not be going to be given rahmah. Give rahmah to those in the world, and the one who is in heaven will give rahmah to you. Okay. And think about it purely, you know, from, so on its own, okay, if, you don't, if you're not merciful to people, God's not going to be merciful with you, cause and effect. But think about it even from your perception. If you are giving rahmah to people, that is going to affect your psychology as well. And you're going to receive by seeing more rahmah in the world. And so this command is doing multiple things. I'm sorry? Sorry, can you repeat that, please? Uh, which part? The last part you said about the rahmah. Okay, so basically, if you are giving rahmah to people, and what is rahmah again? It's giving ease to people, figuring out how to make people's lives easier. And you're doing it, you know, purely out of compassion, out of this desire to give rahmah. Okay, we're saying cause and effect, Allah is going to give you rahmah. But what else is taking place? What is one way to understand it? You will then condition yourself more to see rahmah. Now, you might think you're giving Rahmah, okay, but you're actually not, and thus you're not going to see Rahmah. Okay. You might be, you know, the, the person, you know, there's a leak in the dam, and you're sticking your fingers in the, in, the, in the holes in the dam, and then you're cursing out everybody. Why do I have to do this? Okay, that's not Rahmah. Okay. And so, so think of it in terms of, of, you know, when a mother is taking care of her child, Okay. That's literally Rahma upon Rahma upon Rahma. Okay. And then what is she receiving through the child? She's also receiving all kinds of Rahma through the child. Okay. Naturally, you're going to have other aspects too. You know, we've talked with a number of you about like the guilt that goes with parenting and everything else. You know, wait till you have teenagers. But the point is that um, uh, this command as well is doing the same thing. It's compelling you as a command to look for what is good and upright in what people do, and then to express 
reward to them. May Allah reward you. Okay. So that's what we said that will be the benefit for me if I'm doing this. What will be the benefit for the recipient? So, so I come along and say, well, may Allah reward you for, for, for such and such. What will be the benefit to the person who's hearing it? Anyone? I think they'll, uh, they'll feel good about themselves. They'll be encouraged yeah. to do better. Absolutely. And you'll have some people be uh, suspicious, suspicious, asking, you know, why are you, why are you saying this to me? What do you want from me? No, but I mean, for 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 many people, this is going to be a word of encouragement. On top of that, it's a word of reminder. Yeah, absolutely. Just, and, I wanted to share something interesting. Go for it. You, yeah. you probably, you guys probably heard about it, but I thought it was so interesting the how they had two plants and they said kind words to one and they said mean words to the other. And over the weeks, the one that was receiving the good words actually flourished and grew bigger and better, like it was greener than the other one, which started to slowly like dwelt away. Is, is that a real thing? That's a real thing. You can actually, it was a study on bullying. There's a, well, I don't know if it's scientifically, but there's a, like, it was an experiment done in a school. Okay. Wow. There's a YouTube for it. Yeah. It's pretty cool. Yeah. Uh, uh, this is not me being skeptical, but I think I mentioned before this other student that I had who is telling me that, you know, when you prostrate, when you do sajda, it sends these electromagnetic waves outside of, out of your brain into the Kaaba. What? And, and so this, it was a physician taking my class. And, and so she said, yeah, I'll send you the evidence, you know? And so I thought she was going to send me some scientific journal article or something. And she sent me a YouTube video. So, <laughs> so now, anytime I hear something great, that's immediately the thought that comes to mind. Yeah, so. no, I want to say I saw two, I mean, it's two uh, studies, so it's not a written, published study that I am aware of, but one sure. was an experiment that was done in school, and one that was an experiment done on a docu-series. I mean, even, <laughs> even if it's anecdotal, it works for me, you know, yeah. as opposed to a YouTube evidence, like the kind of which that says this is all a pandemic. Okay, good. Uh, somebody else was saying something in just a moment ago. All right, so, so this is the third command. And guess what we're about to do right now? We are now going to do this third command. So let me figure out again how to... Um, okay, so I'm going back into this... Uh, wow, we've lost a lot of students. Okay, so, so the assignment you're going to have is I'm going to call on you and and you are going to say to someone else in the class you know say their name which hopefully you can see on the screen may allah reward you for and then you have to uh you have to add a blank okay whatever the whatever it may be okay so we'll start easy uh summer why don't you go to uh let's make it really easy go to hadia and hadia first let us know if you can hear us Yes, I can. Okay. Okay, go for it. Dr. Summer to Hadia. Hadia Zardur. Uh, may Allah reward you for always being thoughtful and sending me sweet gifts. Mm -hmm. Oh my God, I was going to say the same exact thing. That's you who's thoughtful, so you see that. I mean, it's a, sorry, sorry, Dr. Amon. I mean, just... <laughs> yeah, that's, yeah. Okay, shall I go next then? I need to think now. Okay. I stole my idea. So um, now let's see, you have to go to someone else. I'm not included in any of this. Uh, let's see, why don't you go to, 
in the in the Sbi household, why don't you go to Sabrine? Now it gets tough. Yeah, because I mean, honestly, I, I well, I, I would say may Allah reward you for being um, uh, for caring about learning the words of Allah Subhanahu wa Taala. I mean, I'm sorry, I don't know the students much, the yeah, others but much. That was yeah, but, that was perfect. Okay. Yeah. Because what is this doing? This is requiring us to actually now look for those things. All right, Sabrine, why don't you go for a Hania? Oh, sorry, I had to look for her. Um, may Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you for all your thoughtful and interesting questions and comments. Nice. All right, Hania. Uh, why don't you go to Melika? Um, may Allah reward you for your uh, nice comments. <laughs> <laughs> okay, okay, good. Melika, uh, why don't you go to Dominion? Oh, great. Thank you for giving me Dominion. <laughs> Excellent. May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you for your provocative questions and philosophical insights. Oh, nice. Thank you. Uh, shukran. Yeah. Nice. Very good. Dominion, why don't you go to uh, Hanin? Um, Hanin, may Allah reward you for suffering my philosophical questions and my presence here. Okay. <laughs> Very good. Uh, let's see, Hanin, uh, why don't you go for Aya? Okay, Aya, may Allah reward you for your kindness and compassion and empathy you have and your patience with all of your peer sisters. <laughs> okay, very good. And Aya will go easy on you. Uh, we have a new guest in the class. I'm not going to make her speak, but uh, Maha, who you might know because she's Hanin's friend. Aya. It's Maya. Is it? Oh, Maya. Oh, I'm sorry. Sorry, Maya. Yeah. Oh. You're... Okay. Well, first, Hanin, thanks for that. <laughs> um, also... May Allah subhanahu wa ta'ala reward you for being a great friend to Hanin in a, and for coming over to all our events. <laughs> okay, perfect. I think that's everybody in the class, yeah? Can I just share something? This is Hadia. Yeah, please. So I, I want to say may Allah reward you, Professor, for the classes. I actually specifically... Um, you, one of the classes when you said, that when you talked about examining our relationships and how um, it's kind of, you know, scary sometimes because you feel like, oh my God, what did I do? What did I say? But it really um, motivated me to, um, <coughs> to, <coughs> excuse me, to um, think about the people who really helped me when I first came to the U.S. like 12 years ago. And, and I sent them, and I'm, this is the first time I'm sharing this here, but because it was really, you kind of gave me this idea, I send them really simple stuff like in Ramadan, and you could see how magical that was. And just saying few words, and people would send me and say, you made me cry, I can't believe this. And it was amazing. 
and I, you know, all of this love that's like turning back to me and how I felt about it. So Allah it was really yeah. uh yeah, I don't know how to explain it. I'm running out of words, but it was yeah, it amazing. Was so inshallah, all the reward will go back to you and how inshallah. it was your idea. Inshallah. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, can I add something here? Yeah, go for it. Yeah, so um actually I'm a free agent, right? So I'm in the I'm in the market for religion, right? Uh, so I read the Quran already. I finished it before Eid. But I would like to say to everyone, um, in the same format, may Allah reward you all, honestly, for making this a very comfortable class for me, right? Uh, and um, uh, giving, letting it be an environment where I can ask questions. Um, so, Malaka, yeah, that's, yeah, you're welcome. That's a, It's your fault that I asked those provocative and philosophical <laughs> questions, right? But nonetheless, thank you all. Absolutely. How did y'all feel uh, saying it first? I mean, it was probably awkward at first, but how did it feel saying it? Great. It all feels good. And then you feel like you want to say more. Mm-hmm. Yes, exactly. You know. And how did it feel? It's good to share appreciation. Like, it's good to hear somebody say something, you know, even appreciation about Dominion's questions. And I was like, oh, I appreciate that, too. So mm -hmm. kind of makes me more oh, wow. mindful of that, too. And mm -hmm. just... And just even thinking about everybody being intentional about, remember you said this at some point, like that it's a privilege to have the time to take the time out to uh, even have that freedom and flexibility to attend it. So just everybody's intentional presence and, um, you know, contributing, whether even silently being present and just being part of the group or, you know, bringing in their questions and thoughts. So it was, it was nice to share that with others too. Yeah. And to Omar for providing this, being so gracious and generous with your ex and you know just being so welcoming so yeah thank you for that absolutely absolutely how did it feel to hear it all how did it feel to receive these things okay so that's something i want to talk about right yeah um i'm got i'm very glad that summer uh she said that about philosophy i just graduated college and i was in a club and you know it had 15 people whenever the conversation became too philosophical you could literally see any member in that group their face would gloss over right and they would just completely lose interest so I, i'm like crap like did i did i derail this entire meeting um i'm glad to know that that wasn't done here and even more it was there was interest in the question so i did it's good to know that there are still yeah it's that's good to know i'm i'm glad i didn't derail the derail the class no good Else? And sometimes one last thing. See, I'm yes, I'm, I'm the prophet of today. So, uh, also, sometimes we think that uh, that people know certain things about themselves, but we we get surprised of how they say, "Oh, really? You know, like this is how you view me, or like this is this is really, you know what I mean? Like, this, are you really noticing this?" So, so sometimes really we're helping people kind of uh, having the sense about themselves, even that we think sometimes that they know but maybe nobody really pointed out that to them. Maybe it's part of them, but nobody really said them, that to them in words, which can be really very powerful. Mm -hmm. Absolutely. Thank you. Yeah. Yeah. Anyone else, how did it feel to receive it? How about people, uh, women of Rochelle, how did it feel to receive the, the, the nice statements? Warm and fuzzy. <laughs> <laughs> uh. Giddy. Giddy, nice. Felt like a virtual hug. Mm -hmm. So, so think about this: that 
the first command it relates to our relationship with Allah. The second command relates to our relationship with Allah. And our third command relates to our relationship with others, or at the very least with other believers. I mean, naturally, you're not doing something wrong if you do this with everybody. But uh, uh, of all the things we would imagine to be the third command, we probably would not have imagined something like this. And this goes back to the, the question that I keep raising, you know, or the example that I gave is that when I ask people, you know, I've asked literally the thousands of people, you know, can you tell me what is the fifth instruction in the Quran when I start from page one? What is the fourth? What is the third? Here's the third. And then we've seen the second and the first. And then, of course, we have these conditional commands if you have doubt and such. And so think about for yourself, this is something to try to implement as your regular practice. Now, it doesn't mean you're going to walk around, oh, male reward for this, male reward for that, male reward for that. You're going you're, you're gonna, to uh, lose yourself in possibly not a good way. But in, in so a common way this is expressed is Jazakumullahu khayran. So may Allah reward you with good. And then the response, Wa'iyak. And so just like the Prophet said, peace be upon him, if you want to increase love, then do what? Spread the salam. You know, say the salam to each other. And it's so embedded in Muslim culture that we usually don't even notice it. We notice it when someone doesn't respond to it. Then it feels very, very abrasive. You say assalamu alaikum to someone and they don't respond with it, then you then you notice it. And so, but, so the point is, in terms of your framing now, from this point forward, look at this as a command upon yourself. And you're conditioning yourself to look at, you know, what is the good, what is the upright, and what people are doing. That's your default. It doesn't mean you don't look at the wrong, because sometimes you have to do that, especially in matters of justice and abuse and all those things. And then, you know, express this this uh, this reward. I do this class uh, a couple hours later every day with my daughters and nieces, and very frequently I make everyone go through, and they have to say this in each class to everybody else in, in, in the, the, the class. And that's usually their favorite part of the class. They don't like learning, but they, they enjoy, you know, saying that to each other. Okay, very good. We will stop right here, inshallah. And any last questions or thoughts? Yes. Fire away. Um, when you said the Prophet said, if you want to spread the love, increase the salam. Yeah. Um, is that like only to salamu alaikum or just actually just any greetings like marhaba or hi, hello? I would, I would uh, assume all of them, but think about specifically what you're saying when you're saying assalamu alaikum. So at one level, it's a prayer, you know, may peace be upon you. And then going deeper, assalam is one of the names of God. So you're wishing the peace of God upon someone, you know. So if you're saying hi, that's still very good as opposed to, you know, go to hell, you know. Um, but uh, so the point is that uh, among the better greetings would be assalamu alaikum. But it doesn't mean uh, it dis it uh, you knock out everything else. So marhaba is also very good. All those things. Okay. Any other questions? Okay. Yeah, so, I have a oh, go for yeah. it. Yes. Yeah. Okay, it's a little awkward, but um, again, out of culture, 
if the female walks up and do you have to say semiotic if you feel uncomfortable? No. In a group setting, like if you walk up and there's a bunch of guys, for example, do you have to say semiotic? So, so you do say it. Yeah. Keep going. Well, I thought yeah, you were just saying like, yeah, I'm just saying like, is that? You have that's basically my question. Do you have to say salam in a group setting where you don't feel comfortable saying salam alaikum, or I mean, others have made you feel uncomfortable saying it? <laughs> if it if it's a, a matter of comfort, then do whatever you know that helps you feel safe, of course. But uh, you, the obligation, interestingly, is not to say it. The obligation is to respond to it. Oh. So you can walk into a room and definitely not say salam to anybody. You're not you're not doing anything wrong, you know. If you do say salam, then inshallah you're getting rewarded for it. There's benefit in the next life as well as this life. Uh, but if someone is saying salam to you, then there's an obligation to respond. Again, if it's a situation where you know things are uncomfortable or unsafe, that's that changes everything. But I'm just talking about a default situation. I also have another question. Yes. In regards to that, so then. Um, is it like also like if someone walks in, they're the ones that they don't have to say it, right? But I'm talking about like with the opposite sexes, because like I remember if I walked into the elevator and I saw people from the MSA, I'd say salamu alaikum. I like they were melting in their spot. Yeah, you, you can rest <laughs> assured that Loyola's MSA has changed quite a bit since since that period. Really? Yeah. Oh yeah, yeah. And so yeah, I remember that period where. Yeah. I, mean, I can I can confirm she's old, but uh, but the point being that, yeah, for whatever reason, the Muslim men would not talk to the Muslim women. Muslim women would not talk to the Muslim men. Muslim men, however, would have a great time talking to non-Muslim women, and Muslim women would have a great time talking to non-Muslim men. So there are all kinds of hypocrisies there. But the MSA is very very different right now. But it's the thing that I have to keep reinventing every single every single year when all the youngsters come in. Anyway, but uh, but the point being that yeah, there's always going to be cultural norms anyway. So, right, so there might be, and these are often more stringent upon the women very often than, than the men. But yeah, a lot of times in mixed company, culturally, it may not be appropriate to say the salams. In general, however, in, in terms of just general textbook Islam, it's, it's never inappropriate as a default. But yeah, you still want to be sensitive to, to cultural, cultural norms. You know, so if you like making undergrad men melt, <laughs> Then say the salam to them right to their faces. I used to even when I would see that, I would definitely even do it more because it was actually more fun to watch. Them. I, I believe that wholeheartedly. <laughs> Any other questions? What are your other classes? What are my other classes? Um, yeah, I mean they're I like. I mean, right now during during the pandemic, we do this class, and then in. Uh, I don't even know what time it is right now, but uh, at five o'clock I do uh, course number three. So consider this to be course number one. And so that course has reached up to about IO number 103. Same approach. Everything's literally the same approach. And then after that, I do a class with my daughters and some nieces and nephews. Same material. You know, obviously it's catered for them. They're, they're much younger, you know, and they're much more comfortable. I'm sorry? 
we join the one that's catered to the younger yeah I, mean, I, don't, I don't know if uh like uh i was at first gonna say that they're you know they take advantage of the fact that they don't have to be as mature with their dad slash uncle uh but they might still be too mature for you guys <laughs> just kidding kidding, oh. kidding that's literally the opposite of what this whole class was about today but yeah, <laughs> yeah. any other questions and omar i sh i would just like to say one thing that since we've been appreciating one another i think you should appreciate me and Dr. Summer specifically, because we're the only ones who show our faces. This is absolutely true. Through, yeah. through the course. And so the entire burden is on us to give you visual feedback while everybody yes. else is hidden behind the screen. Yes. So now let's I'll reward you both for that. That appreciation. Yes. Yes. There. Oh, oh there we have. Yeah. Very, very nice, mashallah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So. Thank you, honey. Yeah. I'll take it. Any other questions or thoughts? All right, we'll stop here. So we literally have uh, just a couple of lessons more. Uh, what day is it today? Wednesday. We will probably finish uh, probably early next week. Uh, uh, maybe even earlier than that, but we'll see. But uh, we're almost there. Yeah. And then we can figure out what to do after that, inshallah. All righty. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik. Subhanakallahumma bihamdika nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta nastaghfiruka wa natubu ilaik. Subhanakallahumma glory to you O Allah wa bihamdika praise and gratitude to you. Nashhadu an la ilaha illa anta we bear witness there is no god but you. Nastaghfiruka we seek your forgiveness. Wa natubu ilaik and we turn to you. Okay, may Allah tell reward you all. Notice I've been saying that at the end of every single class is because of this command. Ha 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 ha. Ma salama. <laughs> we'll continue until tomorrow. Wassalamualaikum. Alaikum assalam.